You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Well, nice to see you on your screen again, Joe. Yeah, very nice to see you as well, Pat. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we may be getting used to this for, for a while. So, for those listening along, I think we hit, what, nearly 700 in New South Wales and uh, 54. Five ish um, here in uh, here in Vic, and uh, it sounds like all of St Kilda is is a hot spot. So, for those of you who frequent brothels and uh, prostitutes, <laughs> you may want to get yourself checked. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's pretty full on. Yeah, here we are in Oz. Half of us are locked down. For anyone listening in outside of the closed border, um, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, who would have thought From it? But I guess it's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, we're what we, I think, you know, we kind of had a couple of milestones yesterday, didn't we? We also hit 50% of people who had their first, uh, first vaccination nationally. So I think certainly they're changing, changing the rules and the medical advice fairly, fairly quickly. So for, yeah, for those of you kind of not um, following along with the Australian news, um, you know, it's fair to say that we've had a bit of hes- hesitancy around kind of AstraZeneca so much so that they've actually rebranded it. So I can't pronounce, I haven't heard it um, articulated yet in terms of the new name, but oh, it's, it's got a new name. It's got a new name. Oh, the, genuinely it's, the whole thing, they've rebranded yeah. it. Not well, AstraZeneca is the drug company. Yeah. So they're, I think they're actually introducing, um, cause it hasn't been oh. great. I don't imagine it's been great for them um, in terms of kind of from their, from a brand profile. So they've actually created, oh, created a name. Uh, for, yeah, it did. You think they would have come out with that Quick. off the bat, yeah. but I guess, yeah, they probably thought the it damage was good is done. The damage is Surely done. they didn't just rename. <laughs> the medical company like <laughs> might have been easier yeah yeah might have been easier yeah. but anyway here we here we are here so we are. we've I crossed the threshold i went through the um just to give people insight 30 year old i went through the eligibility not eligible i think i could get astrazeneca you could you'd have to waive you have to sign yeah. like a waiver yeah yeah but i'm um, seeing a fair few people my age get the pfizer shot how have they managed that? If you're a carer, you can ah. get Pfizer. Um, or yeah. some, some, there's a few different things that allow you to get the Pfizer shot. And then also here in Rosebud, apparently, because Pfizer was, it has a certain shelf life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is boring, but um, there was walk-ins down at Rosebud because they had to get rid of them the next day or something. Yeah, it's been a strange, it's it's been a strange like logistical it's a, process, hasn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm anyway. sure everyone's experiencing it and then we're getting Moderna soon. But that's the show that's happening here in Australia and it's coming to you live. Yeah, coming to you live. But I mean, I think overall we're in good, we're in good spirits. It's certainly, it's, uh, you know, it's also the end of our kind of winter. So spring is, uh, spring is in the air, definitely over here on the other side of the peninsula. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a beautiful morning out there. Yeah, likewise here, walking out to the studio this morning to get on the call with you. Um, bit of a shepherd's pie in the sky. It looked really nice. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. a nice saying. Yeah. So explain that a little bit. Is that fluffy clouds? What What is a shepherd's pie? It's, I don't know. It's like a flat. I don't know why it's called shepherd's pie. I don't pie. know, but I, mean, I want to know. <laughs> it's shepherd's pie because it's the eye in the sky and looks like fluffy sheep and they've got 
sauce on them. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. It's quite a colourful sky. Yeah, right? yeah. No, that's. It, but it paints a beautiful picture, doesn't oh, it? So it's kind yeah. of yeah. I've seen this fluffy, warm kind of um, sky coming at me. So yeah. that's that's nice. Well, that's what's out there today. Beautiful. beautiful. Um, but I suppose on tack with where we are and mm. how we're sitting, it's sort of trudging through this. This mud, this COVID mud, really, everything. I don't know, I've been describing everything as having a bit of an anchor on it, like there's a drag effect. Yeah. Um, and and today we're going to be talking a bit about education and where it sees us into the future of delivering ed, developing ed, and what is education really mm-hmm. um, into the future. For and, sure. And how workforce and everything figures it out. So... I wonder what we can say the big problem facing education right now is, I suppose, Australian context or global context is location. Like, people can't come into Australia. It was our third biggest export. Mm -hmm. It's a similar story globally. It is. Um, And then coupled with that, Ed was changing and has been changing for a long time. I think some universities are going to get caught out. It just is there in the ready... Um, people to innovate that space yeah yeah it is so i guess the the problem statement so if you if you start to step back to that is often in in education um, regardless of the end product there it's about how you acquire how you acquire funds because there's this two and, and i think this is more a university thing but it's also certainly even in a public or a private school is that there is an agenda that is about <clears throat> I guess, educating the student, but then there's also the kind of, there's the research and the kind of the other pieces that go at least in post-secondary, but then even if you kind of step back to kind of like a, you know, a high school level, there is facility, there's kind of all of these things that you actually have to build to be able to properly service um, the student, and traditionally that's about um engagement with your community so whether that's about you're going to build the new um local school uh gymnasium or community center it tends to be the trade-out is about kind of community access to those to those facilities but it does feel like the problem statement maybe is about um reduction in physical interaction kind of going going forward certainly in terms of um you know will we see people return to campus the way um in a in, i guess in a post-secondary sense will we actually see that will we see that kind of come back through because as you've already pointed out pat i mean you work in this space it, there's the trend was already away from that anyway oh it really was and yeah a piece of work just came across my desk i definitely got I like to see what's happening in the sector. Um, and a huge tender came across. I think it was like 42 million from Monash Uni here in Australia. Australia, as I said before, third biggest export is education. Yep, for sure. And they're putting it out to how to best develop video content across their whole university to be able to engage. Because I think they found themselves in quite an archaic period because there's such a big organization of how to make engaging content and how to make it worth the price tag essentially (laughs) that they put on it and have put on it for a long time yeah but i think is it like in your mind is it worth the price no no it's not no no it hasn't been for a long time Hmm. it's sort of hit this weird point and i don't think they're in terms of where the market's heading they haven't been able to be there at the forefront for a long time unless you want to be a professional student Hmm. um where the workforce is heading unis aren't offering that 
front of the line education that's going to get you into either a startup area and be able to innovate in that space or it's not going to get you into a new tech company that's up and running and ready to go like i think that's where they're going to have to figure out where they are and how they sit and what they offer and what they deliver i think they became a bit of a foot in the door for um what australia was it had has a very tight immigration policy but it's like if you can pay your way in education was a way in i remember when i was at university um hanging out with some friends and telling them what i was studying i realized how fortunate i was first where i was born and then what i could study their choice was only business and commerce um and i was telling them i was studying history he's like oh man i wish i could study, study history yeah he's like just tell me more i don't want to talk about because <laughs> he yeah. just came from another country and the only way in was to study that yeah yeah and, and that's what education position itself for a while there yeah yeah so maybe the maybe the way to think through it is that it, it's it's kind of caught up in digitization and that's being that's being enhanced by kind of the current situation that we that we find ourselves in so the kind of the long the long-term trend is that really the approach to digital in terms of and kind of what does that challenge so you know does it challenge the traditional de- degree structure um you know i mean what do you what's your kind of take on that like the kind of the go do four years kind of you know step away kind of get your get your kind of um I guess your accreditation and step into a job. Now, obviously, that's still relevant in certain areas, i.e., medicine, etc. But you know, overall, is it a problem? The framework of the degree. I think it is. I don't think it gives you enough practical. I don't think like that's 100 percent what uni students come out these days saying. Like they just don't have real world experience. And I think employees are looking for that real world experience, but they still want to back themselves up with accreditation. And mm-hmm. then there's people filling that hole, which is Coursera, online applications that are doing micro um, courses that can back up the employee and say, look, they did do all of this work. They have networked. They have been able to get here um, in a short yeah. amount of time. Um, but they know this and they're showing willingness to learn. Because essentially, I, I feel like a lot of courses, that's what it is, is just showing that ability to see something through and learn to the end. Hmm. Um, and obviously get some of those skills along the way. But I think universities have been lost in the theory for a while. And there is place for that. Yeah. I think it's just not trying to be everything. Is a uni has been trying to be everything. I don't think it can be everything in the education department. And then we've got the NBA stars of academia who are coming in and they can really deliver across a huge sweep of population. And why not? Because everyone wants to learn from them. And then the gift of being digital is it can feel very intimate. Yeah, like I think that's you know that's definitely something that that I've really kind of seen, and like um, Galloway talks about this a lot in terms of kind of like with his startup um, section section four, which is you know, but it, again, it's I think the part of the framing of that that perhaps he's got a little bit back to front. No offense, Scott, is that he's the star of the show. So it's it's how does that then translate to to others? Because this idea of kind of you know the the superstar teacher or kind of that you know you see this in other industries like sports, a great one. Um, you know, certainly music is is another one where kind of and you see it in probably business etc and technology where the top kind of the top people disproportionately take let's say 40 percent of the market Mm. right and then everyone else is kind of left to do it and you know places like monash and kind of other universities melbourne kind of you know university sydney kind of um uts etc they're all going to struggle with this because 
is their brand as famous or more famous than the actual kind of um, professors that, that teach there? And is there a way to actually get that to work together? And I think a lot of education places don't think about themselves as like a genuine brand, right? So if they were a sports team, then what do they truly stand for? And how is that professor who's teaching this course at this particular moment proof of concept of that? You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Your hosts, Patrick Beggs of Per Production, a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. In a brand's perspective, like, mm. what do you feel like that is in an Australian context? I feel like America's branded their education very well. Mm. And maybe our brand output here in Australia goes over our heads. But Well, I mean, we have it. Like, yeah, certainly, there. we have the Sandstone Universities. It's kind of, you know, we are seen, you know, globally as that we're, we're the top of the second tier. So, we're not America. Um, if you're, you know, particularly if you're kind of coming out of um, Asia, you know, your, your choices are really kind of um, ideally studied in America. Then the fallback is probably the UK. And then the fallback post that is kind of Oz, Canada. Uh, New New Zealand in terms of kind of the the credibility. So we're certainly we're we're in the game, um, but I think it's the enduring kind of myth of our kind of um, universities. I'm not sure is fully fully realized, right? I mean, Stanford feels very connected to technology. It wasn't always that way, um, you know. But equally, it's kind of it's got the halo that actually goes through it. But then, kind of when you look at um, Melbourne, it probably like University of Melbourne does it halo biotech, maybe not, right? Will UTS start to halo the kind of, <clears throat> I guess, the success you're starting to see come out of kind of, you know, Sydney's startup scene in terms of kind of, you know, the Atlassian, et cetera. Will they kind of start to start to halo that? I mean, um, Atlassian's building next door, so you would hope some of that may may rub off. But the, the brand theory behind it is really its attachment theory. So how attached do you actually feel to your university? I'm always struck as an outsider. People here feel more attached to where they went to um high school than where they went to uni whereas in canada that's different but then in america it's on a whole other level right people don't care where you went to high school it's where did you go to university yeah it's definitely where did you go to high school here yeah yeah 100 yeah. um and then that that university is very much like just a bit of a shopping yeah and obviously but there's rankings right there's rankings in it like i mean obviously there's yeah. there's different there's different tiers of uni here there's no there's no doubt about that but i think kind of getting back to the bigger point behind it is that kind of the the reputational advantage yeah. of our universities is perhaps less than in those in kind of an, in america so in a yeah. world where it's becoming more digital i think then kind of we've got to find a specialism of well, some type because they're not going to be the biggest fish well that's where i was yeah thinking that's where the space is to go in australia like to really specialize and to really specialize and accreditize and as you say attach to the 
to the things that are coming out of Australia so well, which is a lot of our tech. Like that is where the space, I think, for a university to really specialise in Australia and offer that accreditation, especially if it can start working with some of those um, bigger fish that have grown from minnows to big fish is, is where it should head and could head. Yep. Um, it's, but then coupled with that, at the moment, Big Corp's actually offering an education component of what they do. Yeah, so they're gonna like in your mind. Do you think they're gonna lose? Uh, like they're gonna lose market share, right? So there's there's no doubt. Like over over time, their domination of the total addressable market of yeah. education. You, you what you're saying is that that will diminish over time. But there's gonna be different th- things that will pop up and replace that. It won't just be oh, the university. Yeah, and I hope that because I think it's been lion's share for way too long, and we know that. But I feel for the universities, and I work with a lot of the um, universities. And a lot of the people who work really hard are under the pump because they haven't had any support. Like here in Australia, we've been very lucky and fortunate people in the workforce to have a lot of support through this COVID um, pandemic. Um, But universities have not and they've had to continue on, which is almost it's putting pressure on them to innovate in their own way, which is really cool to see some of the work coming out. Um, But they're still under the umbrella of that university, that bigger brand, which is hard to maneuver in such big organizations. I think they offer some great stuff, but there is definitely room for new innovative ways to deliver education in, in a unique, very niche manner. Um, It's just about accreditation. That's, literally that's it that's what universities have over any startup totally yeah is that so if you kind of even if you have like a micro credential from i don't know like um rmit it means more than having it from you know joe's kind of startup shop over over here right it's kind of like if i'm running a boot camp it has a different halo compared to that so the industry joe's boot camp somehow ties onto alassian then all of a sudden you've got a way bigger credential than monash just saying i do a tech startup it's like well, hang on, you've got networking to a big organization that's got a great culture and you're at the forefront because at the moment business is running that forefront yep. of tech. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So the the other part around kind of education that I'm really interested in is that the um, I guess the kind of piece that is missing it feels at the moment is that is that blended kind of kind of experience so kind of that part physical part digital and kind of you know this um this it almost feels like it's kind of it's if it's an infrastructure issue where kind of they were built to be physical things and like it reminds me of things like airlines right where kind of that you know um you know if you argued you know you flew 20 years ago the airline experience like people look back and be like oh no security etc is dream days was it right because really it was super expensive and kind of you know you were yes you might have had um an inch more of leg room but the the challenge is that you were paying through the nose to kind of travel there's less frequency there's all of these things but as competitions entered that market you've seen a kind of clear certification between kind of those who were like the full kind of premium experience in terms of that type of travel but then you have your kind of non-brands like a kind of Jetstar or a kind of you know um the extinct kind of tiger air but i mean or Ryanair. They, yeah they just get you there yeah right so it's kind of it feels like education is maybe facing a similar structural issue. Mm, that's a good point. It's an interesting analogy, I think, mm. because Ed started out as very, very elitism, um, and now it's filtering down. And then we're also in, in the mud hole of 
um, information, just anything's the best thing in the world, depending on who you chat to. Um, So that stratosphere of hierarchy of information has changed. And then on top of all this, where we haven't gone, and that is that the information's there. We've got people at the forefront of supposedly our intelligentsia, Elon Musk saying, like, sort of bagging on education for doing it for a reason. Who knows why? Mm. He plays the market very well. Who knows what he's bringing out? But um, that's what people are listening to and that's where the world is at. And if you are motivated, you can learn very well by yourself. But, but you're not accredited. Is, you're not accredited, so you have to do something yourself. Yeah. Um, which suits, I suppose, that person because they can already do something like yeah, that. Yeah, so but, it's, you know, it's probably similar in that it's like the risk... The risk kind of yeah. goes to the to the user. So yeah. if you fly kind of you know like kind of generic airline um, that is kind of u- utility, the risk sits with you, right? Yeah. In terms of kind of that they are more prone to delay, etc. And stuff does go wrong, arguably more frequently. I'm not sure it does, but that's the perception. Yeah. Versus kind of an accredited kind of airline that kind of you know you feel a little bit more secure in that. Perhaps that's one of the the breaks that we're going to see in mm. in the sector for sure. But I also see like if COVID continues and the- I don't know. I feel like the world will have to open up again eventually. But if yeah, it doesn't, yeah. um, there will be headsets on and people will be in a lot more of a trying to figure out. That's where like small people to service bigger organizations figure out how to get that um, proximity and closeness and interaction together. Because that's what all students have been missing is how to feel like they're sharing that experience. Because that's what brings unity. That's what brings empathy. It's what brings yep. so many humanistic characteristics that need to be developed in that student experience. And that's where unis are losing out because they're not having that shared experience. That's where small micro organizations can actually benefit because yep, there's a small sure. community. But that's where a space of where tech can maybe lend a hand if they can bridge that gap and make people feel connected. But at the moment, it feels like we're in a in an age way back. But yeah, no, that's that's true. I mean, I guess COVID, you know, regardless, will end one way or another. Um, but it's it is you know it's it doesn't really change the long term trajectory of any of this, right? It was happening. It was happening before in terms of kind of you know if you look in a higher ed space, the the move towards online kind of micro credentialing and you know the transition, I guess, from a skill base becomes more practical you know in, yeah. in old old world terminology it used to be like you used to get a vocational education whereas now really everyone kind of needs that at, at some level like there's this real kind of blur between but it's about practical application it is and it's also the best you the best education experience from my perspective and looking at it is peer learning as well if you build a strong community around your education that's when you really grow because people are then experiencing something from so many different perspectives and growing and learning together and that's when great things happen and that's when little startups happen that's when people go in here and talk about that and that's when that brand growth grows from people carrying that momentum forward yeah so that I means Coursera do that really well but they they've do. gone public yeah, so have, i wonder what will happen there and yeah well it'll it'll have to change it at some level because it'll have to be now a viable business exactly. model and it'll be a little bit more kind of kind of reviewed but maybe the maybe the thing there then is about kind of that from a from an existing institution versus a, a startup is that the startup is trying to get to kind of um be seen as um, credible, whereas kind of from a large scale institution, it's actually about becoming more, more niche. In, yeah, and more intimate yeah. in terms of kind of the actual um, student experience that you that you actually offer. So in terms of kind of that idea that if you go to this school, you'll bump into these people that are probably going to actually help you build value into the into 
into the future, right? In terms of from a kind of traditional school versus kind of more of your kind of your startup ed providers. Yeah. Uh, so that that space, that friction point is interesting. Both are trying to get to each other's position, but not having each other's status. It's weird. Yeah, but it's, it's also incredibly dangerous, you know, for because it what's what's going on is obviously the status quo is changing and it's, mm. and it's changing rapidly. So the kind of the internal change that gets driven in existing organization is really, really hard because it does force it either forces scale or it forces specialism, as we've been talking about. So you're either going to get bigger. And then the question is, can we become the biggest or the second biggest? Probably not, um, but maybe in a sp certain space we can, um, and that's the first step towards specialism. Or there's others, which is kind of that. Uh, no, actually, we're going to kind of get smaller in terms of where we go. But that's inherently dangerous as well. There's very few people who are able to shrink their way to greatness if they already exist. It's true. It's a good read. Well, that's where we are. I feel like we've like nailed this, the state of play. <laughs> it's there. crazy. Like, yeah, it's, but the sugar days are over, aren't they? I mean, oh. that's that's you know the days of kind of um, you know giving um, you know charging twice as much for someone to at least in the Australian context, but I know it's similar in, in Canada. Charge twice as much for an international student to come and prop up your higher ed um, certification. We we'll probably go back to that um, at some level, but it does feel that there's you know there's bigger change afoot that that was masking whereas now that's at least being looked at so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how people compete coming out at this time feels like the curtain was really raised mm. and now we can see the background of what's been going <laughs> yeah, on but course. i really do feel for people who whose work is existing in that mm. in that structure at the moment in that education departments and who are delivering like really thought-provoking work but then having to deal with the background of things changing on a business model. That yeah. friction point in an organization is really hard. Yeah, and I really impossible. do say thoughts go out to those crew having to deal with that and continue on delivering what they have been delivering um, at a phenomenal level, which they do do. Um, but yeah, it's a space that's changing and it's an inevitable change. And, and for, for some, it's really good. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, that's a great kind of place, place to leave it. Cause it does, it does feel that, um, the part you can't forget in inside education is that it's, it's the way that it actually shapes lives on, mm. on two sides. So coming all the way back to kind of the notion of kind of really the, the Socratic method in terms of kind of the, the teacher teaching the student and the student teaching the teacher through dialogue feels like that's, you know, that's the most inherently true thing about kind of education is that it is about a kind of a discourse but unfortunately as you're as you're pointing out when in times of change if that discourse can't be managed across the organization and people can be engaged in that that repertoire and i think it's also for students it's very different having that access you know i think in between a digital screen um where there isn't necessarily that same level of just um interaction between you and the person who's actually going to shape your life for sure. You nailed that one on the head. And I think that's when the small win in that one, because it does feel like you're a lot more intimate if it is a smaller one. But at the moment, professors and lecturers and people delivering from the top down that information, it's quite hard to feel intimate with them because they're so busy because of the business model, because those universities are so stretched Yeah. Um, because True. they were so used to the, the sugar. Yep. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Pat. That was good. Yeah. Oh, well, off to the shepherd's pie. <laughs> yeah. Go and uh, yeah, maybe catch the end of this kind of beautiful, uh, beautiful sunrise here in uh, here in Melbourne. And kind of you know, I guess it's uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to be a nice, going to be a nice day ahead. And we wish everyone kind of well over the over the coming weeks. Yeah. Look after each other. Hey. Good man. All right. Catch you soon. See you then. 
Thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.